today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. So with the talk of the uh, second wave that uh, seemingly is upon us, we seem to have some consensus here among our political and uh, medical leaders uh, that the numbers are spiking and that may be, well be the situation. Uh, how is this going to impact the economy? We saw how devastating it was with the shutdown, of course, in the springtime. I'd like to think we're not headed in that direction, but we don't know at this stage just what's going to happen and how serious the ramifications are going to be. But we were certainly negatively impacted as consumers. And what can we expect going forward? Well, there is a new book out that is addressing just that. Uh, it's called uh, Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. Uh, Bruce Winder is the author. He, of course, is a retail analyst, speaker, and consultant and instructor. And uh, we are lucky to have him on the program today. Bruce, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I got to tell you, in the interest of full disclosure, I actually saw your interview on CTV a day or two ago, and I said, I got to get this guy, because it's very informative. I, I get a copy of the book, too, uh, because uh, this is something that we as consumers are, are extremely concerned about, because uh, we saw just how negatively we can be impacted by this and the impact that it has and the stress it can cause uh, when we saw this first wave and the impact that it had. Let's let's talk a little bit about, about the research you did before you did put the book together. Sure. Well, you know, I went out and, I mean, this book sort of has a few parts to it. I did uh, about half the book before, and it really just had sort of lay the land in terms of what's happening with retail, who the big players were, who's winning and losing, and the top 80 trends in retail. And then, obviously, COVID hit, and I spent a whole bunch of time about the current COVID, sort of great when we were in the, in the heat of it, the major months. And then I sat down, got my crystal ball out, and tried to forecast what life would be like sort of um, – as we exit the virus and as we continue on for the next year or two or three, um, once things get in control. Well, let's talk about phase one of, of your reporting and your research, not, not of the virus itself. Uh, the big players, I mean, well, we know, I guess when it came to, uh, you know, online buying and stuff, there were people like Amazon and things like this. How did the, the, the virus itself, and let's talk about that first wave, how did it impact the big players? Yeah, basically, if you're a big company, um, you had to pivot quickly. You had to, you know, do more on e-commerce. If you were a big e-commerce player, you thrived during this. If you're a big food grocer, you thrived during this. If you weren't one of those folks, if you were one of the small to medium people, you got you got hurt really bad during this. Um, so, and and one of the reasons the big companies did better is they saw the writing on the wall and they invested more in e-commerce earlier than the small to medium players. So. With that in mind, and let's talk a little bit about online shopping, uh, because sure. I know that's something that was front of mind for an awful lot of people, especially when some of these places closed down for a period of time. Uh, we still continue to shop. I know a lot of people that started buying stuff online that had never done that before. Uh, is that the wave of the future? Is that the, the, the new way of commerce here? It is. I mean, online shopping, you know, is really just accelerated through this process. And there's all kinds of people now who probably were a little hesitant buying online, but they tried it because they had to. And now they really like it and they realize it's convenient. So you're going to see more and more shopping done online. You know, most would say that we accelerated maybe 10 years because of the virus in terms of the penetration of folks who use online shopping. Uh, and it's amazing. I mean, I, I know anecdotally a lot of the friends I know that that never did that, and of course were forced into it. And it was, you know, the consensus was, "Hey, this is not bad. This is this is great. Exactly. This is convenient. It's a lot you easier know? than you thought, right?" Yeah, click, 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 and it's not, it's in my front door the next day. I mean, exactly. you can't beat stuff like that. Uh, which which puts and I, I, we're t not just talking about Amazon and some of the other agencies here too. I mean, we're talking. I mean, everybody got into it, didn't they? I mean, exactly. The, the Walmart, Walmart, everybody been else investing in it for a long time. Blah blah, all those folks. 
Yeah, so it's it's amazing. It's going to be interesting to see as we start looking at market patterns just how much that's increased. I, I understand. I think pre-COVID, I think it was only about three or four percent of the of the market uh, that was doing e-commerce, but I'm sure it's significantly more than that now. That's exactly it. I mean, what most people would say is that it was like three or four percent before. It maybe popped up to ten or twenty percent or more during, and then it's sort of settling back a little bit. But it's going to be higher than it was before the pandemic. Well, we could be heading into phase two right now. What do you foresee? Because a lot of those businesses, even some of the ones that were negatively impacted, tried to get back on their feet, and, and, and things weren't going too badly for some of them, especially in the hospitality and restaurant business. They're, they're having some troubles. But uh, retail industries seem to be saying, yeah, people are starting to come back now. They, the lineups aren't you know, outside the Canadian tires and the Walmarts and everything are, are hardly ever there anymore. Uh, but now here we have phase two that's coming on. Is there going to be a, a consumer paranoia once again? Are we going back to restrict us as to the number of people that can actually go into a bricks-and-mortar location? Yeah, I think it's a great point. And I think if we do continue to see increases, we're going to see sort of select shutdowns, targeted shutdowns around the province and, you know, and around Canada. And I think that is definitely going to impact retail. Are players, you know, are retailers ready for it more than they were before? Absolutely. But it's still going to cause damage, right? Because certain people will say, you know what, it's just like before. I'm not going out. I'm going to buy online. So you're going to, you're going to see it go back a little bit to the way it was before. But some of the folks are a little more ready now with inventory and with online capabilities to mitigate at least a little bit of the, uh, the change. You know, definitely one of the big question marks is going to be what happens with the CERB. You know, as that starts to wind down and other government subsidies, um, you know, that's, that's going to play a big role on the consumer side in terms of spending as well. What about supply chain? When, you know, the run on things like toilet paper and a few other things were going on uh, in in those early days last spring, uh, we were told and reminded on a pretty consistent basis where there is no shortage. We just can't get it to the store on time uh, because of the run that's going on on this. And and they started pointing about, you know, the supply chain problems, the things that were going on like that. Right. Uh, have they Have they pivoted? Have they made accommodation for that? Yes and no. I mean, there are certain items... Um, that, uh, you know, were built up in terms of inventory was built up. But let's face it, supply chains around the world are lean. <clears throat> and what that means is they don't carry a lot of extra inventory. And they don't make a bunch more and put it in a warehouse. They make it just in time for consumer demand. So some folks have had to sort of buck that trend and say, look, this is a new set of rules. We're going to build inventories. It's going to cost us more. Some folks said, look, yeah, we did what we could, but we've got to go back to being lean again. And when you're lean, that's where the problems occur, right? Because there's no excess inventory in the supply chain. And I guess we as consumers kind of drive that, don't we? I mean, if I go into the store and buy 20 boxes of shreddies, uh, I'm going to cause a shortage, right? I only need one. Uh, but, exactly. you know, I, for whatever reason, you know, well, they may shut the store down, which they're not going to do. Uh, but we, we get this paranoia and we start panicking and, and start doing some pretty crazy things. I'm sure we all saw the picture of some clown at, uh, at uh, Costco back in the beginning days. And he must have had about 16 cases of Lysol wipes that were going on, and, uh, exactly. and which obviously causes a shortage. But uh, from a retail standpoint, you, you mentioned that, you know, the supply chain is going to be a problem. What they started to do, as you know, Bruce, is, is they started to say, okay, you know what, we're putting restrictions on this. You can't buy 20 cases of this. You can have three if you want uh, or less, and, but that's about it. Are, are they going to start imposing those limits and quotas again? I think they probably will if it gets out of hand, right? Yeah. If it gets out of hand, they're going to start putting them in. <clears throat> but what's to stop someone from going to two or three or four different stores in one sure. day and you know, buying a little of each, right? So either way, the problem will surface again. But yeah, retailers got a little smarter. They started to put uh, limited quantities on there. Um, but still, even with you know significant increase in demand, 
our supply chains just aren't built for that. We're not built to react that quickly in many commodities. So it could be a little, a little uh, dicey for a while, but we'll be, bit, we'll be in better shape than we were in the spring for sure. What about big ticket items? I mean, I, I was surprised to see uh, uh, the real estate market, by and large, didn't do too badly as we started coming out of the first wave of COVID. Uh, and you'd figure, you know, people would be a little apprehensive and probably not willing to spend big bucks. Uh, auto sales, I, I guess it's, uh, they're still having some challenges, but they are still selling cars. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to have phased us when it comes to throwing around big money. Yeah, I was surprised at that, too, especially the real estate market. Now, the one thing that's obviously driving some of this is the low interest rates. Yeah, sure. So that's definitely fueling a lot. And some people see this as a bit of a buyer's market, that you can get some good deals out there because there's, you know, the markets are in distress right now. But I was a little surprised, too, at how some of these markets rebounded, for sure. Your point's well taken. I know some of the auto manufacturers have considered that about not necessarily lowering prices, but offering incentives, you know, whether it's extra packages or something like this or extending warranties. I mean, they've tried to do something to get people in the door again. Exactly. Uh, there was a feeling that a lot of retailers are going to have to do that. I, I got the sense, Bruce, from just the numbers that I've seen, uh, they didn't have to, that, that we were ready, willing, and able to go through those doors again. Yeah, here's the irony, too, and, you know, I've read a little bit about this, is that if you look at some retailers, particularly in the grocery space, they've actually backed off on promotions during this time. So you would think that this would be the time <clears throat> that they would promote the merchandise, right? They've backed on promotions because they don't want to create supply chain havoc, and they realize that demand is pretty steady no matter what they charge for the product. So if you may have noticed this, but when you go to the grocery store, a lot of folks have snuck up their prices a little bit, or mm-hmm. they've cut back on their promotions. So you're seeing grocers and other retailers make more money. It's, it's amazing to see the impact that this is having. And, and again, we're all hoping that if, in fact, this is phase two of COVID, that it's, it's not going to be as impactful as phase one. Uh, and I think some of the stuff you bring up in the book is well placed here. I mean, we know more now uh, as consumers, as, as, uh, as so do elected officials. You know, we don't necessarily want to overreact, nor should we, in situations like this. And, and, and some of this is under our control. But what's it going to look like on the other end? Uh, have we been changed forever from a, a retail standpoint? We have for a number of reasons. One is you're going to see industry consolidation. You're already starting to see that. You're seeing industries become more concentrated. And what I mean by that is say you had 10 retailers. Well, you know what? Five or six of them are going to go away, and you're going to be left with less retailers who have more power. And those retailers who are standing are the big ones, the Canadian Tires, the Loblaws, the Walmarts, the Amazon. So you're going to see them with more power. You're going to see income disparity grow. You're going to see poverty grow, unfortunately. We're going to have people who permanently are unemployed here because their industries, you know, shut down or it's no longer relevant. People in hospitality, people in airlines and things like that. That's going to hit the economy. You're going to see a flight to value. People are going to buy more used products. People are going to buy more lower price products to survive. So you're going to see a permanent um, push here, you know, not unlike what happened in the 1930s in the Great Depression there was a permanent change in the psyche of how people shopped. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, economists will tell us that everything is cyclical. You know, there are always going to be good times. There's always going to be bad times. Uh, And, you know, sometimes we can't even manage exactly when it's going to happen. So given what you've just said here and what you're predicting, and and there's history to to indicate that that's going to happen, probably already started happening. Uh, With that situation and and because of, of this way, did this accelerate was eventually going to happen anyway, or did it cause it? No, I personally believe that a lot of what we see now is going to happen anyways, because we've been on a very strong trajectory of income disparity growth and uh, wage disparity growth and polarizing of society. 
And in some cases, what this has done is accelerated that dimension. <clears throat> so I think, you know, what you're seeing now, ironically, is some of the stuff that I probably would have thought would have happened in 10 or 20 years from now. So it, it's accelerated. It's like so many other different things. And when we talk about the impact that COVID has had on just about every facet of our lives, uh, it maybe didn't necessarily cause it, but it was the accelerant uh, in a situation like that, that uh, it exposed problems uh, with our, our health care system, exactly. you know, with our long-term care facilities, and, and certainly with the, the retail sector, too. It just really seemed to, to tear the curtain back and say, here's what's wrong with what you guys are doing. Exactly. That, that's really it. And I mean, there's going to be new things that develop because of COVID. But you're right. I think a lot of things were accelerated. And you're right. Pull back the curtain. And we really understood that if you had any type of weakness, you really paid for it during COVID in terms of a business, right? If our society had a weakness, it was really magnified during COVID. Post-COVID, are there any winners? Yeah, there's definitely winners. Anyone who um, has uh, stocks and real estate and uh, assets, there's, you know, assets will, are continuing to bubble. Income, if you're rich, you're going to get richer, that's for sure. Um, if you're a big company and you happen to be in the right space and you happen to be really good at online like, like Amazon, you're going to grow. You know, the, the big tech companies are going to grow more and more, the Apples of the world, the Netflix, um, Shopify, anyone who just happened to be positioned in the right spot at the right time that's going to ride the wave up on, you know, uh, technology and how it's going to fuel society is going to be a big winner and already is a big winner. Well, there are some critics, uh, <laughs> just kind of a sidebar issue into social media, uh, that, that credit, for instance, Schitt's Creek did so well in the Emmys last week. They're saying that was because part, you know, anyway, because of the pandemic. It's a great show. I loved it anyway. Yep. Uh, but it was on Netflix, and people were sitting at home, had nothing to do, and they binge-watched this thing, and they created this huge uh, audience all of a sudden for the show, and the popularity just soared through the roof. Now, only one example, but sure, yeah. it, just, it just shows how it, it reaches into just about every facet of our lives. Even Peloton, the bike folks, right? They offer yeah. a premium bike and subscription. They were in a little bit of trouble before this. They went from being in trouble to being stock market heroes now. Uh, it's, I'm looking forward to reading the book. As I say, I saw your brief interview on CTV, and I really enjoyed our time today. The Thank book you. is called Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19, and it's available on Amazon. Uh, the author is Bruce Winder. Bruce, it, great pleasure having you on the program today. Thanks so much for this. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye you bye betcha. Now. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.